You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown, joined by our fearless leader at Horns 24-7, the managing editor, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine, Chip. How about you? Hey, we're, we're in a bye week, and Texas is... Things are looking up, Taylor. They're suddenly 5-2, and 4-2 in the Big 12 and still in control of their own destiny. They've, they've beaten a couple of hot teams in the Big 12. They went on the road and beat Oklahoma State. They came home and took care of business against West Virginia, 17-13. to 13. We, we did a Reacts podcast on Sunday talking about that, the incredible effort of the defense once again, and the struggles of the Texas passing game. And Taylor, we had a chance to hear from Tom Herman on the Big 12 uh, coaches conference call and he says no one is pressing panic at all about the Texas passing game but it is a top priority he says as the team heads into this off week and then starts preparing to go to Lawrence Kansas which will kick off at 2 30 on the 21st in Lawrence and uh, are you pressing panic at all Taylor on the Texas passing game? I mean, it's definitely a concern, I would think, you know, um, and, and it's not just on Sam Ellinger. There have been some up and down performances by him. There's no question about it, but it takes, you know, more than just the quarterback to be able to set up a play to be effective, you know, and that's on, you know, receivers making plays, offensive linemen doing their job, running backs doing their job, tight ends doing their job to block for him and the coaches setting up the players to be in a position to actually make a play on the ball. So I think there, I wouldn't say panic per se, um, especially going into this Kansas game. And my goodness, I hope those aren't my, my famous last words, but um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't panic going into the Kansas game. I would think that maybe Tom Herman doesn't necessarily feel panic or rush yet because he knows that Sam Ellinger will have an additional week to be healthy, that they can kind of, you know, iron out some of the wrinkles that have been, um, you know, kind of cursing the offense in general. And then they'll have an opponent in Kansas that on paper, they should probably be favored by several touchdowns entering the game. Um, and I'm saying on paper, just, you know, to protect myself on that one. But uh, we've seen some strange things. haven't Yes. We? Yeah. I don't need to be on a, you know, the freezing cold takes Twitter account or something like that. But, you know, I do think that that kind of probably plays to Texas advantage um, a little bit before the Longhorns have to face Iowa State and Kansas State, you know, coming out of the bye week and after the Kansas game. What about you? Yeah. Do you think, are you pressing panic? I'm not pressing panic uh, because they have shown because of an improved defense and we'll get into the improvements that we've seen and we've seen the defense improve over the last couple weeks 
and different players stepping up. Obviously, Joseph Osai, huge in the Oklahoma State game, and we mentioned in the Sunday Reacts podcast, DeMarvian Overshawn, Tavondre Sweat coming up. Obviously, B.J. Foster and Chris Brown had big pass breakups in the end zone that helped preserve that 17-13 lead because this was, I mean, though they were 0 for, 0 for 3 on fourth down and all three of those were in scoring position. So they were huge plays in the game. Right. But I think the special teams have improved. Now that leads us into the Ryan Buchevsky injury. He tore his ACL on that last punt of the game in the fourth quarter. And Cameron Dicker is now going to be the punter. And Dicker was a punter when he was at Lake Travis High School. I went back and found his stats and wrote about it in the morning brew. He was right under 40 yards per punt, 39.8 his senior year at Lake Travis, and and had a snap go over his head in a big double overtime win over Cibolo Steele on the road against Caden Stearns. That would have been Matthew Baldwin and Charlie Brewer and Cade Brewer for Lake Travis taking on um, Hudson Card and Garrett Wilson. Um, or no, sorry. Hudson Card was Westlake. Let's leave him out of that. Caden Stearns was in that Cibolo Steel game. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, the ball was snapped over his head. It went into the end zone. He had to run backwards, pick it up, kind of go to his right, rugby style the thing out of there. He did. It went to midfield. And it was probably the biggest punt of his high school career because, again, it was a double overtime win. Uh, and that's a dist- that was a district game for Lake Travis at that time. So um, Cameron Dicker comes in now as the punter, Taylor. And that, that's a big deal because Buchevsky had been outstanding in the last two games. 15 punts. He was averaging 46 yards per punt. Um, let's see. Seven of those were down inside the 20 with our man Josh Thompson in downing a couple of them inside the five against West Virginia. So that that's a that's a tough loss right there. And of course, Puchevsky's the holder on field goals, which I'm hearing now will go to Cade Brewer, who was Cameron Dicker's holder at Lake Travis in high school. Cade Brewer's been hurt. He barely played in the West Virginia game, but of course they're hoping that this bye week and off week will allow players to heal. So uh, that's a lot. But yeah, the special teams was improving. For sure. I mean, it's it's unfortunate for Ryan Buschewski because of the progression, as you mentioned, that he was making in the last two games. And, you know, I think the one positive thing that Texas has at its advantage is this is not a situation where this is somebody who has never punted. Like, I mean, let's be honest. I know it's been a while and it takes technique and it takes repetition and everything to really master the punting game and the kicking game in general in um, football. However, it's good that there is somebody available who has taken on full-time punting duties, even if it was in high school. I mean, that I think the, the biggest thing that Texas needs from Cameron Dicker is probably just poise. You know, do do what you're supposed to do. Don't try to do too much. And I do think that it's a good thing you know, um, as long as Josh Thompson remains healthy and he is a part of the the punt coverage team, you know, that that helps Texas because he has been 
we talked about it a lot coming out of the West Virginia game, but this is not new for him. You know, he was injured the majority of last season. However, go back to his freshman year when, um, um, or I'm sorry, two years prior to that, when Michael Dixon, you know, was the punter at Texas. I mean, Josh Thompson was always the one that was fielding the ball, you know, inside the 5, 10, 20 yard line for Michael Dixon. So I think that having the experience of Cameron Dicker, just knowing how to handle punt duties may actually be a little bit more beneficial than when Ryan Bushevsky came to Texas, having never punted in American football and having to learn how to punt um, in American football compared to how he learned, uh, you know, in Australia. So I do think that as long as Cameron Dicker just does what he's supposed to do, as long as Josh Thompson is somebody who um, is readily available and utilized on special teams, I don't think people should panic on that end of it either just yet. Although it's still, you know, I'm not trying to diminish the loss of Ryan Bushevsky. It's a big loss for Texas, but I don't think it's as detrimental yet, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so that leaves, you know, with the defense improving special teams, if Cameron Dicker can continue to, uh, handle the field goal chores and handle them well. He he did miss um, a field goal from 48 yards against West Virginia, but um, you know for the most part he's been he's been solid. He's been in that 80 percent um, you know success rate for field goal kickers, but he's been great under pressure, and that's that's what you. That's you, what you love, and he can kick into video boards that have uh, fake goalposts on them in a in a critical game that would ultimately go to overtime. So uh, we I still we, can't believe that. Like we didn't even really touch on that much because there's so much else to touch on from the Oklahoma State game. But my goodness, I mean, yeah. And then Oklahoma State fans were like mad that Tom Herman addressed it with the Big Twelve Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, who happened to be at the game. Yeah. And so Oklahoma State went on the road last week, barely beat Kansas State 20 to 18. So we'll have to see if those if those goalposts show back up on their video board. They're supposed to be uh, banned yeah. from making an appearance on the Oklahoma State video board again. But um, if I were Oklahoma State, if I was an opposing team, honestly, with Cameron Dicker, what I would probably do to try to ice him if you're going to use the video board is use the the video clip of him before he kicked the game winner for Texas OU of him doing that himself because I feel like that would make me get in my own head like if I saw myself like doing the winking yeah like right. type of thing like at the camera right as you're about to you know try to kick a 40 50 yard field goal I feel like that actually might get into that would get in my head at least but I like that I don't know yeah apparently he was him, who knows <laughs> right Right. Apparently he was winking at Joseph Osai. Yeah. That's he, still, uh, that is just gold. Oh, it's classic. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. It's classics. It's gold. Mm -hmm. All right. So here's my thing for our listeners, our great listeners here on the flagship podcast. And of course, um, we appreciate you so much for making time for us. And, and if you'd be so kind as to make a little more time and head over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, throw us a few kind words, the bosses would, would love that. Maybe we don't get coal in our stockings this Christmas. But um, here's my question, Taylor, for our, our listeners, and hopefully all of them are also members of Horns 24-7, where you're going to get the best insider information and the most comprehensive coverage of Texas Longhorns athletics. Are you getting excited? 
Are you getting excited about a turnaround and a possible drive? It's, it's three games left. It's at Kansas. It's home against Iowa State. And it's a road trip to Manhattan on December 5th. And if you can win all those three games and the ESPN football power index says that Texas has a 97.6% chance of beating Kansas, a 74.3% chance of beating Iowa State, and a 72.7% chance of beating K-State. Well, if they handle all that, they will be in the Big 12 championship game. From where we started, Taylor, do you think Texas fans are getting excited about a, a season turnaround and possible drive to the Big 12 championship game? I mean, I would, I would think there's more optimism for sure because I feel like, especially on the defensive side of the ball, we kind of covered this in our Reacts podcast, but if I feel like the defensive side of the ball is starting to play up to what ex- people expected the defense to play this season with so much talent and so much experience returning and then Chris Ash coming in, simplifying it, you know, um, and trying to, you know, make an effort against, you know, rushing the quarterback and affecting the quarterback. But, you know, I feel like, I feel like Texas fans probably feel better about that to see the players on defense in the last two games play up to what the standard kind of was set. Um, that I would be a little concerned though, if I was a Texas fan about the Texas offense, because this is now the second year under Tom Herman's, you know, watch at Texas where the offense is kind of stalled out mid season and it starts to look like it's regressing and it happened last season. Um, I mean, really it started kind of against the Oklahoma in the Oklahoma game last season. Well, maybe after the Kansas game, it was kind of, you know, waving or, um, wobbly a little bit, like going into the. Oklahoma game, the Kansas game was the reason why, you know, the offense is the reason why they won that game. The defense was terrible in that game. But then it was like just slope down there, you know, especially in the TCU game, that was terrible too. So I would be a little concerned if I was a Texas fan about the trajectory of offensive football at Texas under Tom Herman right now, just because this is now two years in a row. Um, however, the the plan at the beginning of the season was to win the big 12 championship. You know, that's kind of what the message has been all along. Uh, I don't think many people expected Texas to lose to TCU or to get in a situation with Oklahoma where they bench their starting quarterback and you lose a four overtime game, you know, in the red river shootout. But I do think that the goal from the start of the season still is intact, but I do think there are a lot of people that look deeper than just the record and deeper than just that. And they look at these, these teams, the last two years under Tom Herman, the defense kind of starts off sluggish, starts to get better. His side of the ball starts out strong and then starts to get sluggish. You know, I think that, that the more really, really truly looking at everything going on at Texas, those type of fans are probably, I wouldn't say, I don't know if they would be excited. You know, I, I think that, I think there are some lingering issues that have reared their heads the last two seasons under Tom Herman. So, but at the end of the day, you know, I mean, winning a big 12 championship in year four would be a big deal, you know, for Tom Herman. And it took Mac Brown, how many years, eight, eight years was it? Eight. Or eight seasons? Yeah. To win a big 12 championship, even though he played for one early on after he was hired at Texas. So I do think if Texas can achieve that, there is some optimism, but how much of that is the down year in the Big 12? How much of that is getting Oklahoma 
well, actually, they still lost that game, so I guess that's not even a good <laughs> indication. I was going to say, like, getting them early. If it's a rematch between Texas and Oklahoma, Oklahoma is playing better now than they were before. Spencer uh, Rattler is playing much better in football now than he was at the start of the season. That would be a challenge if they have a rematch in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, and as, as much as that ESPN football power index talked about Texas's percentage chances of winning each of those games – their chances of winning out, according to that ESPN Football Power Index, is 28.5%. And their chance of winning the Big 12 is 28.4%. Okay, so it's about equal then. Right. So they are projecting a slip-up somewhere. Right. Whether it's, God forbid, Kansas. <laughs> God forbid, 2016 all over again because... I don't that think game, that. <laughs> that, yeah, that game doomed Charlie Strong, mm-hmm. and it would probably doom Tom Herman. So right. you uh, you get past Kansas, who is last in the Big Twelve. Can I just tell you real quick? Because we'll preview Kansas next week, but just real quick, they're last in the Big Twelve right now in scoring offense, scoring defense, rush defense, pass offense, pass efficiency, pass pass defense efficiency, punt return average, kickoff coverage, sacks, sacks given up, first downs given up, third down conversion, third down defense, fourth down defense, turnover margin, red zone offense, and red zone defense. Dead last. All right. Hey, going for the sweep, Les Miles. There you go. (laughs) Is Les Miles still coaching that operation? (laughs) Aye, aye, aye. All right. So then if they get past Kansas, it's the home game against Iowa State and then the road trip to K-State. Now, which of those would you say is Texas more likely to slip up and find the banana in the tailpipe? I think Kansas State. I think history in itself. I mean, I like, you know, I've only seen Texas win on the road at K-State once in my entire career. Um, They've only won on the road once since 2004, right? Or 2003. Was it 2003? One of those two. I mean, you know, and they, they never even played K-State. Since 2002, I believe. 2002. Okay, yeah. And they never even played K-State in 2005 or 2009 when they were making, you know, playing for um, the college football – or, excuse me, the BCS uh, National Championship back then. So, yeah, I think K-State for sure is I, – I, it's always just that silent giant. I mean, I've seen Texas get shut out there. And it's not, I mean, it's, it's a different atmosphere. It's a tough place to go to. There's not a lot of lodging or hotels nearby. It's a pain in the butt. If you're flying in there, you either have to fly into Kansas city or you fly into the uh, local regional airport that you're on a, if you're like crop duster. Yeah. I mean, I, I had like hyperventilating and like panic attacks on those flights because they're so tiny. The planes are so small. I mean, it's just, it's the perfect place for people to slip up. Oklahoma did it, you know, last season too. And um, I mean, depending on the time of the game too, I really think that matters and that impacts it with uh, this Texas team. But overall, I mean, I said before the season started when Texas had readjust or the big 12 readjusted the schedule um, to make it a nine plus one schedule. I had the K state game, one of the top most like concerning games for Texas that it could be a slip up just because, I've seen it so much, you know, it's kind of hard to erase your memory just because you've seen one positive, you know, 
it doesn't erase all of the negative that you've seen. So that would be my choice. What about yours? Yeah. I mean, remember in the original schedule, Texas was supposed to play K-State before they played OU. Mm -hmm. They would have played them early and it would have been hot in Manhattan. Now you're playing them in the same month as Christmas. Yeah. And it, it can get real cold up there. And if you're, if you're not just in the perfect mood to go play in a physical fist fight football game in the cold, then yeah, I would, I would say the K state game as well. And wouldn't that be the thing that would happen this year is if Texas got to seven and two and only needed to beat K state to get into the big 12 title game. And then we'd be back in 2013 all over again. So, yeah. Uh, but let's, that's for another day today. We are talking about a team that has won two in a row over, uh, trending winning teams, winning teams, winning records. This was not some beat down of tomato cans in the big 12. I mean, as of right now. So, um, we, we look at it that way, Taylor. And the other good news on the injury front is Tom Herman saying today on um, 104.9 The Horn that Keandre Coburn's ankle injury uh, might not have kept him out. Um, well, it is not likely to keep him out of the Kansas game that he might start practicing this weekend. So that's good news because when the big fellas get those ankle sprains, it can take a minute, yes. especially when the big fellas are 350 pounds. <laughs> Because that ankle isn't getting much relief there, um, but that's good news. And of course, Jordan Whittington, we reported uh, first that he would likely be back for the Kansas game, and that is still the case. So uh, this team will get some practice, and Sam Ellinger will be a part of those practices. He's not been practicing a lot on Tuesdays and Wednesdays the past couple weeks, and it certainly. Uh, may have played a role in the lack of whatever is missing from the Texas passing game. All right, Taylor, um, anything else? Do we need to mention that, according to Pro Football Focus, Chris Brown, Mr. Flex, Mr. Muscles, two tickets to the gun show, is the number three rated safety, according to Pro Football Focus, and all of FBS as at this point in the season. So Chris Brown, the number three rated safety, he is behind Richie Grant of Central Florida and Troy Warner of BYU. So there you have it. By the way, Joseph Osai is the 18th ranked edge rusher, according to Pro Football Focus. So, And after the the West Virginia game, Pro Football Focus – uh, rated DeMarvian Overshawn as the highest graded defender in that weekend of games too. So this defense is playing better. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's probably as long as they stay healthy at the key positions and Juwan Mitchell and DeMarvian Overshawn continue to play the way that they are. I mean, this is the defense I expected to see. Um, and I mean, I, w- I had, kind of low expectations, I guess, for the linebacking group. Uh, I kind of thought like this would be interesting since DeMarvian Overshawn's a first time starter at linebacker, even though 
the former Texas staff wanted him to move to that position prior to the 2019 season, but he wanted to play safety. So, um, you know, I think that that type of progress is always should be welcome with open arms. And then for him to, you know, against the West Virginia team that was four and two, you know, for him to uh, grade out as the highest rated defender in that weeks of games. I mean, that's, that's big, that's a big deal. And, you know, you want to see those type of guys take the steps each week um, and week in, week out. And I do feel like we've seen that substantially from DeMarvin Overshawn in the last several games, but, you know, throughout the season, I think that he's really progressed um, much, much better than he started the year. All right. Well, Taylor, I guess that means it's time for our favorite part of the show. Yes. So we were going to take a very quick break. Make sure that you stay tuned because we have some big heavy hitter topics, including one for the fans. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. So my first one for you is love it or leave it. Sam Ellinger comes out of the bye week with his passing game issues figured out. I am going to leave this um, because I think they, well, the way things are going, I'm, I'm going to wait to see it before I say, because the benefit of the doubt, I, I, I'm exhausted from the benefit of the doubt. Uh, earlier in the season, got, uh, got kicked right in the steel-plated cup a few times, so I'm going to wait and see on this. Jordan Whittington could be back for Kansas. Jake Smith is starting to get some traction, but Sam missed him a couple times. And the whole Josh Moore thing, where is Josh Moore? Give me more, Josh Moore. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to leave this, Taylor, until I see it because the, the completion percentage, as we mentioned, dropped from 53% against Oklahoma State to 48% against West Virginia. And Neil Brown even weighed in on the Big 12 coaches call Monday and said their running game, uh, they, he said they had good answers for us in the running game. We had to adjust. He said in the passing game, it wasn't anything we were doing. I think they were just off. So that tells you what's going on with the passing game. So I'm going to leave this. Uh, how about you, Taylor? You know, I think, I think that coming out of the bye week, it is probably going to look a little bit more cleaned up against the opponent that they're about to face. So it's going to be tough for me to really think that this is going to be a very telling game unless it gets like worse or stays the same. Then, then that would be a very telling thing. I think just because, you know, uh, the, Poor Jayhawks keep playing well in basketball, but the football team, you know, it's just not very good. And so I think that the the numbers may look better coming out of the bye week um, in this upcoming game. I think Texas fans should pray that that is the case. But I really think I don't know if I should say love it or leave it because I'm kind of in a a holding like let's wait and see uh, what it looks like against Iowa State. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic. I think, I think I'm going to say you're going to see a better Kansas or performance against Kansas. And then that's going to give the offense a little bit more of a boost, a little bit more confidence heading into two of the tougher games on the schedule. So I'm going to actually love this halfway until, you know, Iowa state, but I, I think that this, 
um, there's going to be improvements. I trust Sam Ellinger and Ellinger I trust. So I'm uh, going to stick with that. Okay. All right. Sounds All right. like you're going to be taking a couple of Tums along with that opinion. I probably but. will. Yeah. This uh, famous last words there, but okay. all right, Jeff. So with Cameron Dicker taking over punting duties from Ryan Bushevsky, love it or leave it. You're, you are concerned about the future of the punting game this season. Okay. You said in Sam, I trust I'll say in Dicker, I trust the guy is great under pressure. So let's hope that he can just go back to his uh, comfort zone uh, in high school, punting for Lake Travis. Hopefully there are no snaps over his head like he had in that Cibolo Steel game where he had to run backward into the end zone, scoop up the ball, run away from a defender, and rugby style kick that thing out of there. But Dicker, is he's, he's been clutch. And Justin Tucker did punting and field goal kicking. And, and I don't think we've seen a clutch field goal kicker, anything close to Justin Tucker, um, you know, until Cameron Dicker. So I'm going to, I'm going to love this. I'm going to give Dicker the kicker some, some love. What's that? Didn't Anthony Farah, did he do both or was he just, I can't remember. Was he just Anthony Farah? Yeah. Hunter grad transfer. Yeah. From Penn state. Was he, he might've, I feel like, I feel like there have been two specialists that I've covered since. So I started covering Texas in what, 2011. So um, I feel like maybe Farah did too. But yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure, no no one better than Justin Tucker. I mean, my goodness, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, you know, once he retires from the NFL too. So, um, you, How know, about I, you? I, you know, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to leave it just because kind of what we mentioned earlier, you know, I think if – Texas has had its hiccups already with the punting game. And, um, you know, I think as long as Cameron Dicker ends up just doing what he's supposed to do and not trying to be a superhero and that Jay Bulware gets him ready to just do what he's supposed to do as special teams coordinator, then I think that it shouldn't be a concern. Now, it may not be as effective as the way that um, Ryan Bushevsky had been progressing in the last few games, but I don't think it's going to be something that would be detrimental as long as, and emphasizing this, as long as Dicker just sticks to the script. You know, I think that, I think it'll be fine. Well, I asked my Lake Travisites mm-hmm. who are, you know, they, they love them some Cavalier football. I said, how many shanks did uh, Cameron Dicker have when he was punting for the Cavaliers? And they were like, whoa, we don't remember any shanks. I don't remember any shanks. I was like, okay, then everything's good. Do your job. You have two jobs now, Cameron Dicker, but you can do it. I have faith in him. You want to be shankless as a punter. Yes, no doubt. All right, Chip. The next one I have for you is love it or leave it. True freshman running back Bijan Robinson must get 20 carries in the Kansas game. Yes, yes, love this. <laughs> oh my gosh, they could have scored two or three more touchdowns in the West Virginia game with that great field position that Buchevsky and Josh Thompson got them if they'd have just kept handing the ball to number five. I mean, ay ay ay, and I went into this ad nauseum on the on the flagship podcast reacts we did uh, right after the West Virginia game, but good heavens. If a kid 
could have literally screamed at the top of his lungs in a megaphone over the loudspeaker, give me the damn ball. Bijan Robinson was saying that with his body language and the way he was performing. He was fantastic in this game. You could tell he was feeling it. This is a game that you just give him the rock and watch him go. He could have run for 200 yards against the best run defense in the Big 12. That's what was so weird. It's like, just forget everything. Give it to the hot hand. Let him have 20 carries. See how far you can punish this West Virginia defense. Talk about confidence for your offensive line, for your quarterback, for Bijan Robinson. That, to me, was a golden opportunity to fill the confidence tank, and they just went away from it and went back to their ridiculous every other series. And again, I have nothing against Roshan Johnson. I bet Roshan Johnson. It's like if you have a pitcher who's throwing a no-hitter, well, like the freaking World Series where – you got a guy throwing up, he gives up his second hit and he gets taken out of the game. And even the relievers like, what am I doing in here? I mean, if Bijan Robinson keeps running like that, Roshan Johnson will be like, feed the young fella. Yeah. Yeah. I, if, yeah. If he doesn't get 20 carries against Kansas and they'll probably not give him 20 carries because they don't want to risk injury or something ridiculous, but give him the 20 carries. Ricky Williams used to carry it. 30 times against Rice so he could get 300 yards rushing to to catch Tony Dorsett. It's time to start treating Bijan Robinson like the best back on the team and stop treating him like a freshman. Yeah, I completely agree. It's like, you know what helps a struggling passing offense? A solid run game. It's absolutely what helps. It eats up the clock. It, I mean, it's... Makes play action incredibly potent. Mm-hmm. And and with the the type of talent that Texas has at both quarterback, I know Sam Ellinger again hasn't been perfect, but at quarterback and receiver, you have to basically they you can't just like plan to be one dimensional or uh, force Texas to be one dimensional if they're only running the ball. Run the ball until it stops working, and then set up the passing game. But I don't think it's really going to stop working. Like that's the it's like this is it's not as as Tom Herman said before, it's not rocket surgery. <laughs> you know, it's like just play football, like do what's working and stop trying to be cutesy. Because the other thing, I do think that a lot of times I feel like coaches, they get kind of worried, not just about the workload on a player's body, but also, you know, with the new transfer portal, with the um, the different rules that have changed with uh, players being able to be immediately eligible after transferring, you know, all of that type of thing that's shifted the landscape of um, college football recruiting, honestly, as a whole, I think that some coaches are concerned that guys are going to immediately just quit if they're not getting the ball, you know, if, if they're not getting the reps that they feel that they should get, they're just going to quit. And so they start to kind of worry about that a little bit more. But the reality is the reason why Alabama has such solid, like running backs and offensive linemen and defensive linemen is because they show up in games and then they go on and be the, you know, the, the difference maker for the team. Then they go on to the NFL draft and get drafted high. And it's like, people are willing to go to Alabama and sit behind that because they know that they know what they're doing. And that's how I feel about the coaches. I feel like sometimes you get, it's different now, but you really just need to, if you have a guy that feels it, 
stick with him because it may hurt some people's feelings in the time being. However, the future recruiting classes that are coming up, they may be like, man, Bijan Robinson was a true freshman. They were feeding it 20 times. And, you know, his first game getting 12, you know, carries got 113 yards on it. I want to go there because they're going to feed me the rock. Right. You know, and I think, I think that's more the problem right now. It's like, just stop trying to play fair. Just do what's working. You're going to help out the offense. You're going to help the offensive line gain confidence. You're going to take pressure off of Sam Ellinger's shoulders. And you're just going to help it to be where players are just playing with natural instinct. And so, you know, I, I'm with you. I say run Bijan Robinson until teams find a way to stop him, but still utilize him. You know, it's like he's, he's a weapon. Anybody that watched that West Virginia game, I mean, he stiff-armed a guy for literally the second stiff arm after a, a right. you know, spin move too. Stiffed arm for like 10 yards down the field. If he didn't barely step out of bounds, he was gone. It was, he was a house call. Like just, he's talented enough. Nobody's going to sit there and be like, oh, we're automatically, this team was good at stopping B. John Robinson on a few drives. We're automatically going to shut him down. No, no. Feed him the ball and make teams respect your running game. That's the thing. I mean, you go back to the TCU game where they only ran it 23 times and you just, you want to cringe because that's a recipe for disaster, especially for that defense coming off the tech game where they were giving up all those big plays and everybody was in shell shock. And it's like everybody lost their minds and panicked and, and it was just a, a mess. Now, I wrote about this going into the West Virginia game, the formula for Texas, everyone who rushes for 200 yards usually wins. But for Texas, it's been 40 carries. When Texas hits 40 carries, they're undefeated this year. Now, they don't always hit 40, but if they're getting close to that, that's a step in the right direction, and that's, that's where we're headed. So next time, it doesn't need to be 12 carries for B. John Robinson, 12, well, really 11, because one was a sack of Sam Ellinger, um, and then 10 for Roshan Johnson, only averaging 2.9 carries in that game. Imagine what B. John Robinson could have done with those 10 carries when he's seemingly breaking off an explosive play every fourth carry. So it's Tom Herman's like, oh, his his yards per his yards per carry average is high because he's had some long runs. Okay, good. Yeah. He has long runs. He has the capability of long runs. That's not something that most of your backs have. So that's good. You know, it who cares how his average got there? Yeah. He's he's explosive. That's what we're finding out. So yeah, for yeah. sure. And and the thing is, too, is there are capable backups behind him as well. I mean, right. if he gets tired, you don't have to keep feeding him the ball. That's when you sub him out, give him a breather, let Roshan Johnson get in there, take over some, and then let Bijan catch a breath and come back in. Don't, like, play this, oh, you got in a groove. We're going to sit you for the next three series, and we're going to see if this guy can get into a groove. And if he can't, then you'll come back in. Like, no, no, just – I mean, the, that when Tom Herman said that about the yards per carry thing, it reminded me, I asked him, I think it was after the USC game in 2017 when they abandoned the run. and Or I think it was Chris, Chris Warren. Warren. Yeah, the, he like didn't get a carry in the second half when he was leading the team in rushing. And he said to me, he goes, well, he was only averaging 4.5 yards per carry. And I took every – and I was the last question, so I couldn't ask a follow-up. But I wanted to be like, so if he runs it three times, that's first down. Right. Like or you're setting up third and one if he's averaging four point five yards per carry. So you're it, it's like it's funny how it's 
flipped. It's like, oh, well, he was only averaging this because he wasn't getting the big runs. But then now it's like, oh, well, he's only averaging this because he has big runs. It's like, no, just freaking stick with it. Like, right. Don't overthink you. this. Yes. Don't exactly. overthink it. Exactly. All right, Taylor, good stuff. And then uh, we got one more. One more. All right. So we are going to take, Chip and I are going to take this question off and we're actually going to pose it to our flagship podcast listeners. And uh, I'm going to t- throw you a love it or leave it topic. And what we would really love for you guys to do is um, I'll also tweet it from the flagship podcast Twitter account, which is at the flagship pod and respond either to that or send me or Chip a Twitter message with your response, Chip Brown 247, Taylor Estes 247. But here is my love it or leave it for the Texas fans. Love it or leave it, you're starting to get excited about a season turnaround. And if you guys could just reach out to us on uh, Twitter, again, at Chip Brown 247, at Taylor Estes 247, or at the flagship pod, Send us your responses. We will read them next week as we preview Kansas. But we definitely want to more involve our fans, Chip. They've been so great to us. Our listeners have been so dedicated and loyal, um, always going over, supporting us, downloading each episode, uh, giving us five-star ratings and reviews, hopefully. And, you know, so let's we – we want to hear from you. Hey, the fastest-growing Longhorn podcast on the Internet. So we appreciate y'all. And uh, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Thanks for listening. And until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.